I wrote this message a day earlier than normal. I wrote it on Wednesday instead of Thursday. And, and at the end of Thursday, I have my call every other week with my mentor, same mentor I've had since I was 17, so the last three years or so. And, and so I, I call my mentor and I say, hey, uh, I just finished my, men, my message a day early. And he's like, great, what are you going to talk about this weekend? And I said, oh, I'm going to talk about dragons, dinosaurs, and the Bible. And he just laughed at me. He just laughed at me. And I'm like, oh, I've been, I've been thinking about doing this for a long time. And you know, it could go terrible. I mean, this could be a disaster. This could be a crash and burn moment. And, 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 but you know, the thing is, people will forget about it if it's, if it's terrible. And, and he's like, yeah, you know, Brian, no, they will remember this one forever. Like this is, this is one, no matter how terrible or, or great it goes, they're going to remember it. So how's it been going today? Well... Uh, this is the fourth go, and it's been a bit of a mixed bag. Uh, uh, Southside, you know, it was, it, it was fine. I think they were like, what is going on? And morning, morning loved it. Uh, Royston, I, I was like, hello, Royston, are we even here? This is great stuff. It was, it's, been, it's been one of those days. I, I love it. I'm excited about it. I've been thinking about uh, teaching on this for several months, like since spring. I, I, I started chewing on it. I was like, oh, man, when I get the chance, I want to talk about dragons, dinosaurs, and the Bible. And I said this to Kelly or whatever, and they'd be like, hmm, that's nice, dear. Uh, and so I, would get, uh, but I, I had this idea, and then we got into the Revelation series, and, and I just couldn't find a good spot. Because when is it ever a good time to talk about, I mean, besides every time, when, when is it a good time to talk about this, this topic? And, and so I was looking for this moment, and then all of a sudden things converged into this perfect moment where we wrapped up the revelation series last week we have one more week until advent and i thought what do i want to talk about and then to bring it all together john lewis christmas advert set the table for us this week i don't know if you've seen this there's some pictures on the screen in case you haven't seen it you can check it out if you're streaming and you're like what is this guy talking about you can just pause the stream and like John Lewis Christmas Advert 2019, and oh, that's what we're talking about. There we go. So, uh, so yeah, this idea, this tiny T-Rex fire-breathing uh, dragon thing. If there ever was a moment, my, my heart was yearning to do this. John Lewis confirms it, and I just can't fight this feeling anymore, right? Just, just coming together at, at this moment. I am looking forward to it. I am so amped up. Anyways. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Dragons, dinosaurs, and the Bible. But you know what we're really talking about? Can you trust the Bible as true when it comes to facts? Can you trust the Bible as to true? That's what we're really talking about. But we're couching it in this fun topic, dragons, dinosaurs, and the Bible. Okay, so when we're going to talk about this. We're seriously going to talk about it. Some of you are like, are you just joking? No, I'm not just joking. Uh, some basic dinosaur facts just to get us all up to speed. Not all of us paid attention in P1. Uh, but, but the first dinosaur fossils were discovered in the 1820s. In the 1820s by an English doctor named Gideon Mantell. This is important. There were no known discoveries of fossils before the 1820s. Okay, there were no, okay, so he, he discovered these. Over the next 10 years or so, by the time you get to 1841, 1841, there was nine types of dinosaurs uh, discovered by that time. They're fossils, including the Megalosaurus and the Iguanodon. And so in the year 1841, Dr. Richard Owen, who's pictured on the screen behind me, 
Dr. Richard Owen coined the name Dinosauria, or, or Dinosaur. This is, not, this is 1841. Before 1841, there was no word dinosaur. There was no word dinosaur. Before 1841, anything that we would describe as dinosaur was called a dragon. A dragon. That was the old word. Dinosaur is the new word for a very old thing. In fact, their, their names, their, the words entirely overlap. They mean the same thing. So it, whatever you think of as a dinosaur, the old word is dragon. dragon di okay, don't think about what you think of as dragon because actually that's going to block things. That's another thing we need to talk about. When I'm saying the word dragon, if you're thinking smog, okay, uh, you're close. No, uh, that, that's not what we're talking about today. If you're, if you're thinking about the, the John Lewis commercial, that, that's not what we're talking about today. The, the mythical dragon thing that, that tends to come in our mind now when we think about the word dragon is not how the word dragon was originally meant to be. The word dragon meant what we now call dinosaur. It's the same word. And just like there's different kinds of dinosaurs, there's also different kinds of dragons. So it's, dragon is not like a T-Rex word. Dragon is like a category. There's flying ones. There's sea ones, that, you know, that, that sort of a thing. Okay, if, if we're not on the same page here, you're about to get really lost. So let's just review. No fossils until 1821, or 1820s. Eight, the word dinosaur wasn't invented until 1841. That was coined in 1841. Previously, everything that was referring to dinosaurs was using the word dragon. Those two words are the same thing, different eras, interchangeable words, okay? Again, we're going we're gonna to push out of our minds when I talk about the word dragon, smog, and other fictional dragons, and we are going to be talking about what we call dinosaurs. Dragons, dinosaurs, the same word, okay? Uh, I'm going to guess that you've seen charts like this growing up. Charts like this, describing the, the, the story of dinosaurs on our planet and how millions and millions of years ago, you know, like 200 million years ago, there was these kind of dinosaurs, and then 100 million years ago, there was these kind of dinosaurs, and then around 65 million years before people, you know, roughly 65 million years before people, that's a long time, there was some sort of mass extinction event, and the dinosaurs were all wiped out. Something like that. You've probably heard something along those lines. And so you have six, then 65 million years go by from the end of the dinosaurs. 65 million, okay, that is a long time. Okay, that's a very, I, okay, of course, it's a very long time. Brian, how can you emphasize how long of time this is? I, there's no way to do this. Okay, 65 million years go by, and then people, says the theory. Now, there's an obvious challenge here. I'm just going to make it really clear. There are two different competing histories when it comes to dinosaurs. There is that history, which I just showed you, which is probably what you've been taught. Like this, this sense of, of millions of years, died out millions of years before people. That's one history view. The other history view is what the Bible claims. And the Bible claims that, that dinosaurs lived in the age of people. 
and walked at the same time, and that people saw them and, 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 and knew about them, knew what they looked like, knew what they ate, and, and all that kind of stuff. Ironically, the John Lewis ad of the, of the dragon in the, in the, living with the people, okay, that's not at all how it was, but you know, at the same time, not separated by 65 million years, that's a little bit more accurate. It's a little bit more accurate. So you have these two competing histories. The Bible says at the same time, uh, probably your, your history class or whatever, your science class or whatever, says 65 million years between. What do you do naturally? What is your first instinct when what you're being taught is different than what the Bible describes? Is your first instinct to be like, okay, I don't trust the facts of the Bible, and instead I trust what my teacher says. I trust what my teacher says because... Duh, they're a teacher. Of course they know everything, right? Amen, all the teachers out there. So, like, yeah, of course it's my teacher. I'm, I'm going to go with that. Do you even give it thought when it comes to believing the Bible as potentially true when different from what you're being taught? Do you assume that the Bible isn't reliable when it comes to facts? I mean, maybe the message of the Bible is true, but are the facts of the Bible true? I would argue vehemently and repeatedly that the Bible is entirely reliable when it comes to both facts and message. And so we're going to talk about dinosaurs in, in this context. Now, I hope you're willing to explore this idea with me. I encourage you to strap on your brains, to, to put on intellectual integrity as we, as we go through this. And we're going to look at some of the evidences that show that maybe the Bible is a little bit more factually accurate than, than, what, we've been, than what we've been taught. Uh, the Bible talks about dragons, it talks about dinosaurs, dragons. It talks about them being known, alive, and living in the time when people, people lived. And actually, as God says, you know, they, they, they were made on the same day. They were made, the land ones at least, were made on the same day. And the Bible writes about them quite a bit. But if you're thinking to yourself, I don't really remember reading in my Bible read-through anything about dinosaurs or, or, or dragons or things like that. Probably because you're reading a modern translation. And modern translations have substituted the word dinosaur for either whale or jackal, usually. Those two words, whale and jackal. And you're thinking, okay, you can do that. No, you can't do that. Um, Hebrew isn't just limited to the Bible. You, you look at the whole context of the language in general, and you know what words mean. But anyways, so you've got, you've got older English versions that don't substitute out these words, uh, don't substitute out the word dragon, which would have been the right word in the old days, dragon. Um, so we're going to look at some of those examples today, but before I, before I do that, I want to just clarify, because we just came through the book of Revelation, a bit of a wild book, right? Lots of, lots of imagery, lots of symbols, and we saw the Christmas dragon, right, in, in, in Revelation chapter 12, where, where the dragon was there uh, at the birth of Jesus, and uh, uh, that was clearly not referring to a real dragon, but that was a, um, a figurative reference, referring to Satan, right? We're not talking about figurative references today. What we're, what we're talking about today is, is real dinosaurs, Living at the time of people, creatures known by people. Okay, so there's lots of references, like I said, in the Old Testament. There's five different Hebrew words that reference, reference them. The first one is tan, tan. You see on the screen, just kind of screenshotted some of this stuff, uh, just 
some lexical meaning so you know I'm just not making this up. Tan means dragon, maybe the extinct dinosaur Plesiosaurus or whale, lol, right? <laughs> whale, because you know, those are very similar. Uh, sometimes, it, it doesn't say that here, but sometimes it is translated jackal as well, uh, triple lol. Uh, so, but the real word is dragon, dinosaur. That's, that's the word, tan, that's the word. It's used four times in the Bible, as you can see there, Isaiah and Lamentations. So then the other word, the next word is tana, and you can see right away, you can hear it right away, tan, tana, tana. Uh, again, they're trying to change the word to uh, jackals again, but the word is connected to dragons and, and sea monsters and things like that. It's used twice in Micah and Malachi. Malachi is the most recent of all the Old Testament books written, so only about 400 B.C. The third one, which is used the most, most commonly, is tanin. Again, tan, tanin. And, and this one means dragon, serpent, sea monster, dragon, dinosaur, sea, or river monster, serpent, or venomous snake. Again, most of these are referring to a creature that's, that's living in the ages of people, known by people. It's not being presented as a mythical creature. So you can see all those references, Genesis, uh, the creation story, all the way down into Ezekiel there, all, just a bunch of references. There are 23 times this reference. And then, then you also have, uh, for the fourth one, you have behemoth, and that is found in the book of Job. It's a reference, a, a specific dinosaur, behemoth, in Job chapter 40. And again, it's, it's, it's described exactly like a brachiosaurus. And just look, let's look at how, what it looks like. It says this in Job chapter 40, starting in verse 15. God is talking to Job in this moment, and he is telling Job, look at behemoth. Like, of course you can, right? This is not God referring to a, something that has been extinct for 65 million years and that Job has no concept of, nor will be discovered for another three and a half thousand years still to come. Or in Job's case, I guess, you know, 4,000 years still to come. Look at behemoth, which I made along with you. He eats grass like cattle. He's an herbivore. Look at the strength of his back and the power in the muscles of his belly. He siphons his tail like a cedar tree. The tendons of his thighs are woven firmly together. His bones are bronze tubes. His limbs are like iron rods. He is the foremost of God's works. Only his maker can draw the sword against him. The, he, the hills yield food for him while all sorts of wild animals play there. Okay, this is not a crocodile. This is not a, an elephant or, or, or anything like that. Uh, this, this, is a, this is clearly describing what we would we know now of being a, a dinosaur, something like a brachiosaurus. Now, even if you don't believe the Bible is true, there's a problem here. Even if you, even if you think the Bible's all made up, there's a major li literary issue here because these people are supposed to have no idea about dinosaurs. Again, they haven't yet been discovered from Job's day for about 4,000 years, about three and a half years after the book of Job was written. They're not supposed to know. They're supposed to be extinct for, for 65 million years before people even existed. You see the problem? You see the challenge? Fossils aren't even discovered until the 1800s. 
Job is not supposed to have any concept in his mind, and yet he describes something accurate. Not only does he describe it accurately as we know, skeleton, like, like the shape of it all and, and what that looks like, he also describes that thing that we know to be an herbivore, which we also know. And, and he, he's told to observe this thing. Look at it. Look at it. It's, it's incredible. It's incredible. There's, there's no way. It's just, it's just being made up, and we find out three and a half thousand years that, oh, this creature actually existed just like it's described. That's, that's a behemoth. There's another one that shows up quite a bit more frequently, Leviathan, Leviathan. Leviathan, that, there's that word again, tan. Leviathan, sea monster, dragon, perhaps the extinct dinosaur, Plesiosaurus, Gazuntite. Uh, you six times, Job, Psalms, and Isaiah. Again, look at how this dragon, this dinosaur, is described. It's, this aquatic one is described in, in chapter 41. Again, I'm going to just kind of pick up in the middle. In fact, maybe even I'll, I'll skip down starting around verse uh, 12, where God's describing him more specifically. In verse 12, I cannot be silent about his limbs. So I, I didn't start at the very beginning. You're going to have to, you're gonna have to find, find me there. Never mind, I'll start at the beginning. No one is ferocious enough to rouse Leviathan. Who can stand against me? Who confronted me that I should repay him? Everything under heaven belongs to me. And this is God speaking about this, this dinosaur. God says, I cannot, I cannot be silent about his limbs, his power and his graceful proportions. Who can strip off his outer covering? Who can penetrate his double layer of armor? Who can open his jaws surrounded by these, those terrifying teeth? His pride is in his row of scales closely sealed together. One scale is so close to another that no air can pass between them. They're joined to one another so closely connected they cannot be separated. His snorting flashes with light while his eyes are like the rays of dawn. Flaming torches shoot from his mouth. Fiery sparks fly out. Smoke billows from his nostrils as from a boiling pot or burning reeds his breath sets coals ablaze and flames pour out of his mouth strength re resides in his neck and dismay dances before him the full and he goes on and on and on before and after this is describing this creature in, in extraordinary detail and it seems like what we have here is actually a fire breathing aquatic dinosaur dragon described in the Bible, described in the Bible. That kind of takes me back, but I, I suppose it, it makes sense. I mean, uh, sorry, John Lewis ad, John Lewis, dragon, fire-breathing dragon in the little town, uh, but we learned that was a bad idea. Don't put little dragons that breathe fire around Christmas trees. Very bad. So it makes sense to me now, actually, to put them in the ocean uh, and not in Southern California or in the forest somewhere. That sounds like a much cleverer, or, or, or idea for, uh, for God to do, put him there. Anyway, so you got this fire-breathing animal. Fire-breathing, wow, it's just crazy. Okay, so the Bible clearly talks about this stuff. Clearly talks about dragons. Clearly talks about dinosaurs. It describes them as known by people. Known by people who, who, who knew about them, had an understanding of what they looked like what they acted like, what their, what their skin was like, what, their, what they ate. The claim of the Bible is that dinosaurs, dragons, lived in the age of people 
which were seen and known by people. And, and what we've been trained is that's not possible. What we've been taught is that's not possible. There was 65 million years between some extinction event and the beginning of people. So we ask ourselves, is there any other evidences that might support one or the other of these two claims? We've been inundated with the 65 million years one, fossil layer, fossil layer, fossil layer, carbon dating, all that kind of stuff. But um, I said carbon dating, not dating, carbon dating, just in case I lost half of you there. So there, the other thing is, is there any evidences, is there any evidences that suggest that the discovery of fossils, before the discovery of fossils in the 1800s, that people knew what dinosaurs were like? Is there any evidences out there that describe, yes, people knew what these creatures looked like, they knew what they, how they acted, things like that. And actually, we discovered that the, the evidences are global and amazing in, in detail, in, in scope. Uh, there's drawings, there's carvings, there's paintings um, all around the world, all around the world with, with stunning accuracy, even into the Middle Ages. I'm just going to say that again. Even into the Middle Ages, it seemed, seems that people very accurately knew what these things looked like and, and acted like. Again, I understand that just because there's a drawing of something out there doesn't make it real. There's a lot of drawings of mythical creatures out there. But what we're looking at today is how impossibly accurate the drawings are to things that we now know were real creatures and looked like they were drawn. That, not only that, we see drawings of these creatures throughout the world found in locations where we know those specific dinosaurs lived. The right drawings, the right ways, in the right regions. Uh, let's, let's look at some of these examples. Like, there's books of examples of this. There's, there's so many examples of these out there. Uh, here's a few. We'll start in America so we can get out of there soon. Uh, petroglyph in Utah. Here's a petroglyph in Utah, okay? Carved by the Anasazi Indians. I'm going to call them Native Americans. Uh, who lived there between 150 B.C. and 1200 A.D. I think the cathedral was going around in 1200 A.D. Uh, sort of a thing. They carved, they, they, they have this petroglyph of, of this dinosaur. It looks like a sauropodonosaur. Very primitive people. Now, okay, the right dinosaur, right place, very primitive people, could be just random lucky, right? Like that one could be lucky. Okay, could be lucky. Well, let's keep going. Go south. We get down to Central America, really the border of Mexico and Guatemala. There's, there's some Mayan ruins there. There's a Mayan carving. Uh, in two My, this carving is from 250 A.D. to 900 A.D., somewhere in that time. Okay, so this is in the Christian era, 250 A.D. to 900 A.D. Again, look at how similar it is to a Hippocrisaurus. Uh, it's so accurate. It's so accurate, and it's surrounded by all these other carvings. So this lower picture down here, you can see the, the, the other carvings around there. You've got the, the dinosaur down at the very bottom, and then you've got other things like, hey, here's a person, here's a bird, here's a pig, here's a dinosaur. Right? Like, like just all, all in this, this same area there. You can see the size of the carving with that guy. Dude, get out of the picture. Uh, there. And, and you can see it in comparison to, to the, to the Hippocrisaurus up here in the side. 
like that's what it's supposed to look like. You can see it has these webbed hands. How, if you're gonna draw a scary monster, you might go like, uh, but are you gonna web the fingers? I don't know. You know, like this sort of thing. It's just designed, drawn so accurately to what that dinosaur would have looked like in that area. It's amazing. Central America. Moving down south from there, we go to Peru and we find this figurine of, uh, of this, this culture that was before Christopher Columbus from about 1000 AD to when the University of Glasgow was founded, 1450, 1451 or you know, that kind of era. Okay, so in that era, you, you have this figurine, again, resembling a, a juvenile Mosaurus. It's, it's just uncanny that these people would so accurately carve these things and have these d designs of things that were supposed to be extinct for like millions and millions and millions of years before people. And then they hit the right creature, designed the right way, created the right way uh, in the right place. It's just too accurate for them not to be seen. Let's keep going. England, Carlisle Cathedral, just south of here, not too far away. Uh, it has these carvings from 1496. And you've got this, this uh, bronze strip that goes along. Uh, um, Bishop, uh, Bishop Richard Bell, he's buried here. You've got this bronze strip, and along it you've got like a bird. No, wait, do you have a bird? Yeah, you've got a bat, a fish, a dog, a bird, and a volcanodon. You know, just kind of right there. All these, you know, real animal, real animal, real animal, and a dinosaur. 14, 14. 90. Well, that's over 300 years before dinosaur bones were discovered. It's over 300 years before we knew, oh, that's actually a real creature that lived a long time ago. Huh, before the, 300 years before the discovery of the first fossils. Uh, England, moving down. So go to the Netherlands. The Netherlands. Uh, this is from the Book of Hours. It's a picture of St. George fighting a dragon. Actually, this Saint, the story of St. George is one that first flagged this up to me. Because St. George, patron saint of lots of countries, I don't know, a bunch of countries, and he is famous for slaying a dragon. Now, St. George died in 303 AD. There's no story of him slaying a dragon that appears for hundreds and hundreds of years later. But still, ultimately, he's associated with the slaying of the dragon. And so you have all these, this art, these stained glass windows, these statues of St. George slaying a dragon in all these different countries. And the thing is, is that what you see is you see George, you see, you see usually on a horse, and you see a dragon being slain. But the dragons are most usually, very often, real dinosaurs. And the dragon that's being slain changes in different regions to reflect the more appropriate dinosaur that would have been in that particular reason. Again, all before these things are discovered. You want to just go on a journey of discovery, just search for images connected to St. George and the dragon and, and, and go there and, and you'll, 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 have a, you'll have a fun time. I think it'd be a fun time uh, looking into that. And so what, what you have here in, in the Netherlands is this, this drawing, you know, hundreds of years before fossils are discovered, of this, of this uh, Solophysis brewery, and, and you, you've got him, uh, him slaying this thing. But the, look, at, look at what's going on here. So you have this shape right. You've got the long tail. You've got the large back legs. But weirdly... You've got like no arms in the drawing. And you, and you can see the real one just had these very, very tiny little arms. If you're trying to show how amazing St. George is, you're not going to put weenie arms on your, on your dragon, right? Um, 
You know, that's, that's not that's what you're going to do. You're going to make some sort of like scarier looking monster. And so you, but you've, you've got it drawn just right. But the other thing that's amazing about this, not only is the head shape and the teeth and all that kind of stuff, the size. In this picture, you get a comparison, the size of a horse, the size of a person, and the size of this dragon, the dinosaur. And it's just amazing how precise the details are all entirely accurate. And they're not even supposed to know this thing exists for hundreds more years. But it's like they've seen it. It's like they know exactly what it looks like, exactly what size it is. And they do that. Oh, that's fun. A few more just really quickly, and then, we'll, and then we'll move on. 16th century France, over 200 years before the fossils are discovered. Uh, Platiosaurus. Platiosaurus there. Uh, you've got, uh, in Spain, you've got St. George, or um, Jorge, I guess in Spain, uh, slaying Nothosaurus. Northosaurus, uh, again, the right creature, the right place in Spain where this would have been. Different dragon, though, connected to the St. George story. In Belgium, you've got St. George slaying the Varanosaurus, and this is from 1515 A.D. Again, you've got the right creature, the right color. Um, somebody, somebody pointed this out in the morning, after the morning service, like, Brian, like, how many times when the slaying of the dragons, you're seeing it go through the mouth? Where, and just kind of highlighting, in the Bible, it talks about so much about how, how unpierceable the skin is. I don't know if there's anything to that or not, but that was, that was interesting. But you've got, you've got, again, the right size in comparison with the horse. That's Belgium. Uh, how about something from China? 4,000 years old, the Hongshan, the Hongshan turquoise dragon, which looks like an adolescent protoceratops. Again, there's, there's so many more examples. The, 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 the book that I got a lot of these, all of these examples of is called Dire Dragons by Vance Nelson. There are so many books like this. It's just pages and pages and pages of, of examples. Um, even Dave Fleck, who might be here somewhere, he's like, I was in India and I snapped a picture of this stegosaurus on, in, uh, on this 2,000-year-old stegosaurus thing in, in India. I mean, they're everywhere. They're everywhere. This is not hard to search for. You're going to find heaps of this stuff. Okay, there are two proposed versions of history. One where we are educated to believe that dinosaurs lived millions and millions and millions of years ago for people, and the other says in the beginning God created them. He created them at the same time as people, that people knew about them, walked with them, observed them, knew what they were like, knew, knew that this was, this was that, uh, this is a behemoth, this is a leviathan, this is an elephant, this is a tiger. And, and maybe even these things lived in the Middle Ages, although the Bible doesn't talk about that. The, the wide variety of locations that we were looking at today and, and the accuracy of, the, of these, these dinosaurs depicted in the Bible and, and in art makes it, makes it impossible for me to believe the theories that we've been taught. That millions and millions of years ago, they were all wiped out by some extinction event, and then they were just discovered again in the 1820s, or at least their fossil remains. But it's not just art. Um, in 2005, the prestigious journal Science, that was the name of it, Science, revealed this stunning discovery by Dr. Mary Schweitzer. So you get some, is that T-Rex goo on there? That's T-Rex goo. And, and what we're looking at here is uh, one of the most stunning scientific discoveries. You have soft, elastic tissue, blood vessels, and blood cells discovered in a T-Rex femur bone. Again, tested and tested. 
and tears. This should be impossible. We know all about how biological molecules degrade and how quickly DNA breaks apart if not repaired by a biological system. We know all about that. This tissue is supposed to be 68 million years old but looks fresh and even the blood can be kind of squeezed out of the bone. I mean, that, sorry, that's a little bit disturbing. I think we can handle it. It's, 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 it's fresh. Not only do we have T-Rex DNA, which is totally not cool because I've seen all the Jurassic Parks. Dude, that's a disaster, but apparently we have the T-Rex DNA because of this thing right here. Uh, the facts just make that 68 million year gap entirely impossible. You can't have this and that kind of a gap. There's no way living tissue like this could last for 68 million years. Okay, there's two versions of history, and, and what I want to push on right now is, is it really foolish to believe the Bible when it comes to the facts in it, even though they're different than what, maybe, than what maybe we've been taught in school. Too many in our generation, when they're faced with a choice, do I believe what I'm being taught in school or do I believe the facts in the Bible, won't even think about it. Oh, if I have to choose, I choose what I'm being taught. I want to challenge that severe, severely right now. It makes me think of a verse in 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1, Peter writes, For we did not follow cleverly contrived myths. Peter's writing this. For we did not follow cleverly contrived myths when we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Instead, we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. The Bible isn't a cleverly contrived myth. It's not a cleverly invented story. The facts in the Bible continually hold up to the truth. And I challenge you if, you, if you, if you feel pushback in your mind on this one, then apply intellectual integrity and investigate this claim. You'll be shocked at how reliable this, this book is. Don't be quick. If you've, if you've followed God for a long time, don't be quick to abandon this idea that the Bible is true. Don't, don't be quick to abandon its truthfulness in its detail or in its message. No matter how unpopular it might be, no matter how people may, may mock you for it or if it's different than how you've been raised to believe, the Bible is not a fable. It's incredible, but it's not a fable. It's true. And that's, that's good news because just because, we, uh, just because we, we, we look at the Bible and we find challenging things in it, things that, that stretch our ability to want to, to wanna, uh, believe, we keep discovering over and over again that the facts of the Bible, even if they're really about weird things like dinosaurs and dragons, the facts of the Bible maybe aren't as fantastical as we may have thought at first glance. And if we can trust the facts of the Bible, maybe we can also trust the message of the Bible. And the message of the Bible is this. Jesus was a real person, fact. Jesus walked on this planet, taught, fact. He was executed by the Romans under the pressure of the Jewish leadership just outside of Jerusalem, fact. And although it stretches so many people's uh, minds, three days later, although he was dead and proven dead, 
God raised him from the dead, which seems in very difficult for some people to believe, and yet it is one of the most certain events in the history of the world based on the scientific historical, um, historical studies methods. He appeared to hundreds before ascending into heaven. The message of the Bible is God is real. The message of the Bible is God loves you. He really does love you. And just because Jesus died and he rose again, there is now a wide open doorway for you when it comes to grace, when it comes to forgiveness, when it comes to receiving mercy. And the Bible is clear that anyone of any background, with any baggage, with any sexuality, with any sin issues, repeated sin issues as many times as is humanly possible, anyone can be forgiven of anything if they give their lives to Jesus, believe in him, and are saved. Friends, believe the Bible. Believe the message of the Bible. And I encourage you to dedicate your life to following Jesus. Now, none of this is made up. It's all true. And if you want to explore more, like, what is the deal with Jesus? If you want to explore more, what is the deal with the Bible? What does the Bible say about salvation? What does the Bible say about Jesus? What does the Bible say about God? What does the Bible say about, like, can I be forgiven? You can talk to some people over here afterwards. Uh, I, I encourage you to uh, sign up for the Alpha course. The Alpha course in, in January, at the bottom of the screen there, it, it shows this, this sign up, bit.do forward slash alpha rehope. You sign up for that, and, and basically it's an 11-week course where it's safe to ask any questions. And trust me, guys, if I can stand up here for, for like 40 minutes or whatever and talk about dragons, dinosaurs, and the Bible, whatever questions you're going to ask, they're going to be okay, Right? totally going to be safe. We want to help you. We want to help you get from here to your questions asked. So we're willing to do that here. I'd love to have you be a part of our Alpha course. Even if you've already given your life to Jesus and you still have questions, feel free to sign up for that. As you can see, the challenges this week are, are two. Uh, the first one is, what is one thing in the Bible you're having a hard time believing? So there's something in the Bible you have a hard time believing in, and the challenge is study it. Study it. Don't leave it on the shelf of your mind. That is just going to irritate. It's, it's never going to land. It's always going to be a big question mark. Study it. Figure it out. If, if you've got some doubts there, look at it, and I encourage you to look at it through the eyes of someone who believes it's true, because that's somebody who's looking at it differently than you are currently looking at it. And we can learn a lot from people who are view, looking at things from different ways that, than we naturally look at them. Maybe, maybe you'll see that uh, there's things that, they, that they would bring up that will challenge your doubt, that will help you with your unsureness. Again, and then second one, consider uh, signing up for the Alpha course if that's, if that's relevant for you.